Hello, I'm Martijn Graat and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today is Johan Elses, Business Unit Director and Russia Advisor at Ahlers. On this episode, we talk about doing business in Russia, business expansion strategies for emerging markets, and drinking vodka in a banya. Please enjoy my conversation with Johan Elses. Johan, welcome to the show. Uh, my first question is always, uh, does logistics matter? Of course, logistics matters, because how else will you get the goods to your customers? <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I'm always glad uh, people answer yes, uh, although it would be an interesting discussion <laughs> when somebody says no. Sorry um, to disappoint you. No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not disappointed. I think it matters as well. Um, so, uh, uh, Johan, how did you uh, get into logistics? Um, it's a bit of a story, actually, because I did not study logistics and actually never really had the ambition to go into logistics. Um, I have a master's in Russian literature. Um, so obviously you end up in Russia. Um, I always wanted to get into business, international business. And after I finished university, I uh, started looking for a job in Russia, in St. Petersburg. Um, and yeah, accidentally, actually, I got in touch with the Belgian company Ahlers, which is a logistics company, and they offered me a sales position. Um, so that's how I got into logistics, actually. Wow, that is quite the story. That's cool. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, but I think when you look into logistics, you either have people who who wanted to get into logistics or you have the people who are basically like me um, who, who actually ended up there somehow. But it doesn't mean that you're not passionate about your job, of course. No, obviously, I, I know how it works in logistics, whether you want to uh, get involved in it or not. Once you get involved, uh, it's, it's something that just grabs you and, and uh, yeah, keeps you riveted, so to say, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you live in in Russia and and Saint Petersburg, and and uh, uh, can you tell me about how that is? Because if I'm perfectly honest, uh, I've worked with Europeans, um, I work with Americans, and I've been to European countries, and I've been to the U.S., but I've never been to Russia. So, uh, my my image of Russia is is from movies and Tom Clancy novels, and I I, I don't think <laughs> I think I don't think that's that's fair. So, can can you tell me about what it's like? Well, I think uh, the thing with Tom Clancy novels and um, and prejudice, prejudice is in in the Netherlands you have uh, you have wooden shoes, you have a lot of milk and dairy products, yeah. and a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> red light di district, and in Russia you have bears and you have vodka, and in <laughs> and it's true you have those, but you also have a lot of other things. Um, I like living in Russia. Um, I like Russia as a country, but here I really make a difference between the people, the culture and the politics, of course. Um, but politics is not the topic of today, so let's let's not go there. No. Um, but yeah, it's a different culture as the Netherlands. Um, uh, Russians are much more focused and fixed on authority. The boss is really the boss. So, I mean, it's not done to 
disagree actually with your boss, um, mm. which in business creates the challenge that if you want to have a team of people who is uh, who is proactive and who provides input, yeah, that's that's actually a challenge to create because what if you say something wrong, then uh, then you get hit. That's basically well, very uh, very to the point in Russia. If you if you compare uh, doing business in uh, Russia to doing business in the Netherlands, wh what are the main differences there? So so not so much within your company as well uh, between companies. Well, what I learned actually living in Russia, I think, and also working for a Belgian company because Alice is a Belgian company, um, is that in the Netherlands people are very direct, and of course we know that. Um, yeah. But basically, it's the exception, and people in other countries tend to be less direct. So, when working in Russia, um, there are cultural differences, and directness is one of them. Like I said, um, uh, Russians they tend to be more fixed on authority. The boss is really the boss, and they also tend to be more fixed on this is my job and this is the job that i do so i mean don't really expect of me to do a lot more than than what i'm responsible for um and of course there are exceptions there are russians who are more uh who have studied abroad who studied in europe so they tend to show that behavior much more um but yeah there are there are a lot of challenges of 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 working and living in Russia um, and dealing with Russians. Um, I think that Dutch people are much more flexible than Russians, to say. Um, so, yeah, if you want to do business in Russia, you really have to understand the local culture and how Russians tend to think and what they think is acceptable in business or not. Okay, uh, and um, uh, from a from a logistics point of view, what are uh, what are the what are the biggest challenges uh, for companies that 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 want to trade with companies in Russia or or want to do business in Russia? Well, obviously, the first challenge is to get your goods into Russia, um, mm -hmm. and here probably the transportation is not the most difficult thing. Um, okay. There are a lot of companies who can do transports to Russia. Um, the problem, the challenge really starts when goods arrive to customs in Russia. Mm -hmm. um, you need to do customs clearance. And for that, there are a lot of local regulations. There is still a lot of bureaucracy in Russia. So, for example, if you provide a document without a stamp of the company, then most likely it will not be accepted. Um, if in the packing list, for example, there is a miscalculation of uh two digits behind the comma then probably it's also not accepted um there are certifications that you need to have to enter uh to be able to import into russia um so there are a lot of documents a lot of bureaucracy a lot of details um that you need to look at and if you're not familiar with that um compared to doing business in europe or with the us probably um it's a lot more difficult and when things are are not in order, is is uh, are shipments completely refused, or or is, are they just detained, or are there fines? 
Well, basically anything can happen depending on the on the seriousness of the mistake to say. But most okay. likely, if if uh, if a stamp is not there or if there is a mistake in the documents, then uh, goods will just be delayed, and you need to wait. Um, you need to redo the documents and um, wait for your turn in line to uh, to be imported again. So it's delays and delays with transportation. You have demerits, you have extra costs, you have a lot of work um, that's either your customer in Russia, your importer has to do, or you yourself have to do. Okay, and if and if we look at it from a little more from a broader perspective, from a supply chain perspective, um, if so. Uh, there are different ways in which I can can probably do business with companies in Russia. I can just sell them something and ship it to them, or or do, do I need to have do I need to have local representation? Do I need to open an office in in Russia? How does that work? Well, the point with importing and selling goods to Russia is that in Europe you have fiscal representation. It means that yeah. somebody else on your behalf can pay import duties and VAT and be the importer in um, in Europe. In Russia, fiscal representation is not possible. So it means that if you want to do business with Russia, then the company to whom you're selling should be the importer. And the importer can only be a Russian company, a Russian legal entity. And only the importer can pay import duties and VAT. So the point here is that if your customer in Russia is not willing to be registered as importer um, at customs and pay import duties in VAT, then mm -hmm. you need to find another solution to import your goods into Russia, else you cannot do business. So if we look a bit more strategic um, at what are the possibilities then to do business with Russia, then mm -hmm. basically either you work with a distributor who not only does the commercial side of the business and promotes your goods in the market, finds local customers, uh, is the distributor, but is also actually your logistics partner in a way, because the mm -hmm. distributor will uh, will do the import and will most likely also arrange all the certifications and uh, arrange the logistics part of it. So you have a distributor. If you don't want to sell to a distributor, but want to be responsible for the commercial part of your business and actually control your commercial strategy in Russia, then you have to find another way to import into Russia, which means basically either you can open your own legal entity in Russia, so your own company, put your own people there, etc. Um, or you can work with or you can work with a logistics partner um, that is that not only provides the logistics part, not only provides the logistics, but also acts as importer upon your behalf. And that's basically one of the things that Alas also does. So you have a distributor or you open your own legal entity or you work with a logistics partner. Yeah, it's, I I can imagine that it's that it's difficult if you are if you're not familiar with uh, with with uh, with local rules and regulations that it's also difficult to find uh, the right people to staff your company. Yeah, well, if you open your own legal entity, then that is one of the things um, that you will be busy with. Uh, so you have to find uh, 
you need to have a general director that should be a Russian person. Obviously, you need to have legal, you need to have IT, you need to start looking for your ERP system or your accountancy system. You need to have financial people uh, or accountants. Of course, you can also outsource that, but, but then still you are managing it. Um, and basically, then you come back to the question, what was the reason, what was the role that I actually wanted to have a legal entity in Russia? The reason behind yeah. it, what we see or what I see with a lot of European companies or American companies who are my target customers is that, well, they just wanted to develop their business in Russia. And for that, they had the idea to be able to get that control, to get the control over their commercial development that they needed to have a legal entity. Um, however, that's not always the case. There are other options as well. Yeah, so so uh, so I, yeah, I understand and I see the the the, the challenges of, of starting a company uh, in in Russia and also uh, the fact that you actually don't need it because you want to focus on uh, on on what you want to do, which is which is yeah, sell sell your product. Um, so, but you are in a company that's that comes from outside of Russia, uh, and and you have established yourself as a as a Dutch manager in, in, uh, in, in a Russian company, how, 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 how did you do that? Well, like I mentioned earlier, cultures are different. Um, and if you want to do business in Russia, then I would definitely recommend to, you know, understand firstly, a little bit about the history of Russia, because if you show I, but I think that's basically for every culture, every nation in mm -hmm. the world. If you show interest and if you show knowledge, um, if you show that to a Russian, then he will definitely appreciate that. Um, but with Russia, I think one of the most important things that, because I'm living and working in Russia now all, more than 10 years, since 2011, and only wow. in the last years I started to really get to the get to the point of what makes russia so different for me how i understand it and that's basically that there is a big lack of trust everywhere and let me explain it with a very actual example mm -hmm. we all know that russia um has its own vaccine against uh covid yep. sputnik um and it was almost the first that was developed in the world um, I think last year, last summer in 2020, uh, Putin already declared that the war on COVID had, had been won. Mm -hmm. um, but today in Russia, it's a total, well, basically mess with all the COVID cases. And the reason behind it is that as of today, and I don't know the exact figures, but out of my head, I would say 6 to 7% of the population has been vaccinated. Which is not a lot, That's especially a lot, no. if you already had a whole year of own produced vaccine to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you talk to Russians, why don't you get vaccinated? Then a lot of Russians will say to you, I don't trust the vaccine. Which basically means if the government is telling to me to get vaccinated with a vaccine that they produced, then I don't trust the government. I don't trust the vaccine. I'm not going to get vaccinated. And I talked about the, the, the signatures and the stamps on the documents. Mm -hmm. um, 
Why is that? Because nobody trusts a document without a stamp and a signature. And if you look throughout Russian society, then you have so many examples of things that are actually being generated because of this lack of confidence and trust in one or the other establishment, person or organization. And that is basically the basis also of doing business in Russia and in dealing with Russians. Um, they need to be able to trust you if you want to do effective business because else there will be a lot of securities and um, and, and uh, things created around doing business for the Russian to be able to be sure that they can trust you. So how do you create trust within a Russian? Well, I think it's basically, again, the same for every person in the world. You need to be able to understand them, to know them, talk to them, communicate with them, uh, let down your guards in a safe way. Uh, we all know the examples of the Russian sauna, the banya, where you mm -hmm. go into the banya with a Russian, um, have some vodkas, and then afterwards the deal is being done. Also there, the trust comes back, because if you're in the sauna or the banya with a Russian, well, basically you're naked. So if you're naked, yeah. you have nothing to hide anymore. And if you get drunk with a person, then basically you, you already understand if you are able to trust a person or if he's a complete asshole. Sorry, yep. excuse my French. Um, so getting Russians on your side, either if you're managing them, if they're working in your company or if it's a business partner, um, establish a personal relationship. That's basically what it's about. And how you do that, it doesn't really matter. There are different ways. There are different roads to Rome, to say it like that. Um, but you need to establish a personal relationship, else it will be difficult to do business in Russia. Yeah, that that makes that makes perfect sense. Uh, so, uh, and and I'm guessing that, uh, that that's probably the same in in whichever emerging market you choose to to move into. Uh, if you if you don't have the local trust, uh, what, what, you know, there's there's no yeah, there's no way for you to succeed. But if you look in, but if you look towards Russia, then you need to have local people. They are very important to be able to do the business because they know the ways how to do business. And another example, getting back on the trust, for um, is in Russia, it's very popular if you're sick, if you need to go to a doctor or if you need mm -hmm. to get operated, um, is to ask your relatives or your friends, do you know a good doctor? And then somebody gives you the number of a good doctor. You've never met the doctor. You don't even know if they're actually good or not. But since your relative says that they're good, it means that they're mm -hmm. good because your relative will not, you know, uh, say bad things. Um, and it's the same in doing business. If you want to, for example, find a good warehouse in Russia or find a good customs broker in Russia or find a good legal person in Russia, a good legal firm, then that's the way how a Russian does it. He starts asking his relatives. Um, and obviously, there's, all, that there's also another way of doing business in Russia, which is more comparable to the Western way of doing business, and it works as well. Um, but I would say that to do business in Russia, you need 
to retain a little bit of the Western way of doing business in Russia, but mm -hmm. definitely also, you know, this, this Russian way of finding the right way to get something done. You need a combination of both. And for that, you need local people who know their way around. Um, and if you have those local people, you need to trust them and they need to trust you. And that's, I think, the key to doing business in, in emerging markets, but definitely in Russia. Okay. And so, so looking, looking at this from a, from a broader perspective, so, uh, yeah, letting, letting go of Russia, so to say, um, what are the other, uh, what are the other important factors that you see, uh, for, for companies that want to expand their business in emerging markets? Yeah. Um, to go back a little bit more on the strategic part, the route to mm -hmm. market uh, or the go to market strategy, then what I see is that a lot of companies, they started doing business in Russia by just selling to a distributor. They were not actively yeah. involved. They were selling on FCA conditions and the distributor does the transportation, does the import, finds the customers, etc. Um, at a certain moment, then the sales stagnates a little bit because as a distributor, yeah. you can only grow so much. Then you add another distributor, you grow again a little bit. The point here is the following. When going to an emerging market um, and going to Russia, you either make the conscious choice to proactively develop your business or to keep it reactive. And in reactive, I mean just working with a distributor. If you yeah. want to make it proactive, if you really want to take control, then it will definitely pay off. You will have to invest in it. You will have to invest in management time or in people mm -hmm. and money, of course. But it will pay off because they're not a lot of companies who are actually doing that because it's so difficult. In Russia, if you want to take control of your business, like I mentioned, then you either open your own legal entity or you work with a company like Alice, um, who provides a complete end-to-end route-to-market model. So coming back to, um, to control and to be able to, uh, to control your route-to-market strategy, you need to be able to import your goods yourself. Yeah. So for that, you need to have your legal entity or you need to work with a logistics company who can actually act as importer in the market. And that is something that Alice does. And the mm -hmm. advantage of that, of course, is that you don't need to manage your own legal entity. You only have to focus on developing your business in Russia. You only have to focus on having the sales, on having the key account managers, while a logistics company actually does everything else, does the rest. Does the logistics, does the import, does the commercial transaction, and facilitates um, basically doing your business in Russia? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, if I uh, if I hear what you are saying, there are different ways uh, in which uh, a companies can expand their business in in emerging uh, markets. Uh, you mentioned working with a distributor, uh, in which case you have to uh, yeah give, give away. Uh, yeah, you have to uh, give away the keys to the car and, and let somebody else drive. Um, you have your own legal entity, which is, uh, as I guess, essentially buying your own car there and, and setting everything up. 
um, and you talk about a um, uh, a way of doing business where uh, where Ahlers, uh, uh actually hand handles uh, a lot of uh, processes. So how 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 would you call that? What's what's that uh, what's that called? Yeah, so we call it the master importer model, and we sell okay. it under the commercial name of trade facilitation. Um, yeah. And uh, which is actually one of our four business units in Ahlers for which I'm responsible, trade facilitation. We facilitate your trade, basically. And to keep it with the metaphor of the car that you just uh, mentioned, it's basically we, we have the car, but you can drive it. Nice. And yeah. and uh, how how uh, how did you guys come up with this uh, model? Yeah. Um, well, it all started quite some years back when uh, some of our customers started asking for DDP deliveries to Russia, delivered duty paid. Yeah. And the difficulty is not in the delivered part; it's in the duties paid part. Like I just explained, if you want. To import into Russia, an importer can only be a Russian legal entity who purchases the yep. goods from abroad, and only the Russian company can pay import duties and VAT. So if you're a Western company and your customer is asking for DDP delivery, I want to buy something for you on DDP conditions, then as a Western European company, you need to be able to import the goods into Russia yourself. So automatically then you get into the question, okay, do I open my own legal entity for that? Or do I find an alternative? Alternative being someone in between, a distributor. But basically, because you're already talking directly to your customer, you don't want that. So mm -hmm. then Alers came up with this master importer model, which basically means that we as a logistics company act upon behalf of our customer in Europe as an importer. So we do all the logistics. We arrange all the certifications in Russia needed for import. We are registered at customs. We pay import duties and VAT. And then we can still do the warehousing. We can do the distribution. We can do the needed labeling to, uh, because sometimes you need to have specific labeling on the products in Russian uh, to get imported. So basically, we do all the supply chain, which is needed, um, and we facilitate the commercial transaction. So to be able to pay import duties in VAT, we actually purchase the goods from our customers mm -hmm. and we resell the goods to their customers. The only thing that we don't do is basically find local customers, do the commercial negotiations with them on pricing and do the marketing and PR. Um, so combining all that together, it means that if you are a European company and you want to be able to take control of your commercial development of your route to market in Russia, but you don't want to have your own legal entity, then you can do that through the master importer model where yeah basically you have your own legal entity you have your own car in russia but it's being owned and managed by alers you mentioned a different uh, services uh, there's different divisions uh, of alers operating in 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 different services you have uh, warehousing where you do uh, value added services like uh, repackaging and and relabeling 
yeah, what are the the, 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 the different divisions that you have? Yeah. So others, um, we view ourselves as an expert in Russia and CIS, um, mm-hmm. as a regional expert there. Um, also, for example, more than 50% of our business being a Belgian company is actually located in Russia and CIS. So we have a lot of expertise there. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a customs broker in Russia. So we have a customs license. Um, we have warehouses in Russia. And obviously, we have a lot of, of people, of Russians, of local people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have own trucks or containers. So we also outsource that. Um, but that's also not what we as a logistics company are actually focusing on. We're focusing on providing the complete end-to-end solution for our customers and really helping them to develop their business in Russia. Um, and I think the combination of, on one side, having the assets in Russia, like the customs license, but also our own warehouses, so we mm-hmm. don't rent them, we have the land, we have the warehouses, Um and having the right people in the teams to be able to find the right subcontractors allows us to manage on behalf of our customers the best complete total solution. Oh, Johan, um, yeah, thank you for explaining so much uh, uh, about uh, Russia and, and also uh, about the country and about the, the people. Uh, I, I had no idea, so uh, I found it very insightful. And... Um, do I say this correctly if I say uh, spasiba? You say it correctly, yes. Spasiba. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, y'all. It was my pleasure, Martijn. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Does Logistics Matter? For more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics, visit our blog at www.logisticsmatter.com This podcast was produced by Dimitri Vlug. The music is based on a sample by Ruggerman and produced by Michael Spengler. This episode was sponsored by Ahlers. For more than 110 years, Ahlers has been helping clients all over the world. Active in three regions, Europe, CIS and Asia, they provide state-of-the-art logistics and tailor-made solutions. Their services focus on supply chain solutions, warehousing, project and machinery logistics, secure transportation of high value and or theft sensitive goods, trade facilitation and after-sales services, and supply chain data analytics. Alice finds the best solutions that fit the customer profile perfectly. They enable customers to stay focused on their core business and manage innovative supply chain solutions which add value. They solve supply chain challenges in complex environments. Find out more at www.ahlers.com. That's A-H-L-E-R-S.